thanks to all of you for being with us. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this uh, program. We've got a lot uh, coming up in the course of the show today. I will tell you one thing that is infuriating me. We can go back to day one. We're watching the situation of freedom movement in, in Cuba. I know a lot about Cuba. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. I'll never forget the, you know, when, when we covered the, the issue of this young, young man down in, in uh, Miami and Janet Reno and the raid uh, that took place. Uh, what was the name of that young man? I forgot. But, you know, I, I, the, the Cuban-American community that lived under tyranny and that got in those broken down, dilapidated and rickety boats or people actually get in inner tubes. Imagine getting in an uh, say that again, Linda. I didn't hear you. Elian uh, Gonzalez. How could I forget? And and then he became a propagandist, as I was taught at the time. There was a woman that wrote The Children of Pedro Pond, and she can she told me, you have no idea what's going to happen to this young man. I said, what's going to happen? He's going to be brainwashed, indoctrinated into, you know, a Castro minion and used as propaganda, which all came true. Because a part of me was saying, well, okay, it's the father, the father's here, and, you know, the bond, the ties, et cetera. Anyway, it, it just was a disaster, the way Janet Reno, and I think it was Clinton at the time, handled all that. And, and it was terrible, just horrible. And everything that I learned at that time all turned out to be true. I told you about my experience. I met this guy, Armando de Quesada. He passed away, and when I was a local radio host... Uh, but somewhere between 1990 and 92. And I was in Athens, Huntsville, Decatur at a radio station. And I'm, I'm there. It was my first paid radio gig. I'd worked for free for a number of years. And anyway, so I, I'm there, and I got to know this guy. He was an advertiser. He had a place called Mando's Pizza. It was delicious, too. And I became friends with the owner. And the owner was from Cuba. And he built this restaurant. It was great food. He was a great guy, and I went there often. I just hung out with him, and we talked for hours. I learned this whole story about him and his family, and they, they owned a lot of land, and how many of his friends and relatives and family members were murdered by the Castro regime, how all of their land was stolen, how many other people were murdered. He was part of the resistance for a period of time. Then he became a target, one of the most wanted, and he had to leave, and he barely escaped with his life and got in one of those broken-down, dilapidated boats and made it to America and had, and had to start a whole new life here. And he, and he did amazingly well. It was a big deal to him. He was so proud of the business that he built. And, anyway, and, he, and he talked about indoctrination. And this is a murdering communist regime. And what's the first thing that we heard from the State Department? And the first thing we heard from, you know, circle back Jen Psaki. Oh, this has nothing to do with freedom. This is about uh, the need for vaccines. I'm like, no, it's not. Why are you lying? You know, why, how is it that Black Lives Matter and AOC blame America for people in freedom uh, in, in Cuba yearning to be free? There's a fundamental if you are a statist, socialist, communist, authoritarian, you buy into this philosophy that rights come from government, they do not. What separates America from most of the rest of the world 
is the principle that we are endowed by a creator, not a thing, Joe, a creator, God, the creator of everything, natural rights, God-given rights that were endowed by our creator, inalienable rights by God, not by man, not by government. And that is a big distinction. And that governments, if you read Thomas Paine, 1776, are, you know, if people had followed the, the conscience and the, the dictates of conscience, he writes, and they were irresistibly obeyed, if we were better people, if there wasn't the struggle of good and evil, he says that in, in 1776, the great pamphleteer Thomas Paine, that there'd be no need for any other lawgiver. And then he continues, that not being the case, that government in its best state is but a necessary evil. And government in its worst state is an intolerable one. My whole chapter in Live Free or Die, chapter four, socialism's history of failure. Whatever name, whatever manifestation, whatever form it takes on, it's the same thing. It always ends in failure. Promises that will never be fulfilled about utopia, all the stresses of life, and everything's going to be free. Well, you know, as Margaret Thatcher said, free, you know, socialism's great until you run out of other people's money. And, and it stifles human initiative and growth. And so you give enormous power, in the, and it's appealing to people because all the stresses of life will be taken away from you, and your government health care will be taken care of, and your law and order will be taken care of, and your government education, and, and they'll watch your kids for you for free, and you'll get free college, and you'll get free loan forgiveness and free guaranteed. Now they have in, in California, you know, guaranteed, you know, a government guaranteed, what is it called? Wage or guaranteed standard of living. In other words, if you don't make the standard of living amount, they'll give you the rest. How are they going to afford that? They're not going to be able to. You didn't have the, there's no guarantee as you pursue happiness, guaranteed life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that you get equal results. We all make decisions in our life. Like I know most people that I know in life, they become... They do what they, they, they like to do because it's a calling, a profession, something they love to do, or else how do you do it 30, 40, 50 years of your life? Because you, you work your whole life. You know, cops, every cop I know wanted to be a cop. Every fireman I know always wanted to be a fireman. Everybody in the military always wanted to be in the military. I know so many people, whatever, teachers, it's a calling. Nursing, it's a calling. Being a doctor, it's a calling for them. And, and many people go into professions that they know is not going to make them rich, but they'll have a comfortable life and they'll live within their means, but they get enormous satisfaction following whatever, whatever their heart, their, their dream, their desire happens to be. You know, now that is the natural state of all mankind to breathe and live free. It's also how God designed man. Now there's this struggle, this battle between good and evil. And, and that, that's where choices in life matter. If you make choices that you're going to be using drugs and you get addicted and you ruin your life, at the end of the day, you can't blame anybody but yourself. You make choices in life, you don't want to work that hard, then don't expect a big house or a nice car. The way you have those, you know, my son asked me recently, and he's, he's now out working. And, you know, while he was in college, I 
gave him whatever amount of money every month. And, you know, I couldn't believe the food bills. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to ever put a limit on how much food you eat or on, you know, how many times you use Uber. You can use Uber and use the Uber Black service, which is the, the more expensive service, but usually a nicer, safer car. And anyway, so he starts working and I said, no more money. He goes, Dad, what about, what about my Uber Eat bill? It's very high. I mean, you said there's no limit. I said, that's why you were in college. Now you work. You can buy all the Uber Eats you want and Grubhub you want, but you're paying for it. And he's so, actually, Linda, you'll love this story. He's so clever. He goes, but I know you buy your radio team lunch every day and your TV team dinner. What about me? I said, oh you're not working for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any, we don't need any more Hannity's in the public eye, I think. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty clever argument. And you know, when your kids are arguing with you and they, you know, I do this professionally and it's like, mm, damn, that's a good argument. Um, anyway, so AOC is saying America is to blame. She broke her silence yesterday on this anti-communism, this murderous communist regime and this pro-freedom, these protests. People are risking their lives now in Cuba, and they're bl she's blaming the suffering of everyday people on the United States. One of the things on that we want to make sure that we communicate is our solidarity with the Cuban people. And what's extraordinarily important for us to communicate as well is you is the is the actions and U.S. contributions to the suffering of Cubans on the island as well. And that is directly related to the embargo, the U.S. embargo, like other U.S. policies, particularly other U.S. policies targeting Latin Americans and Latinos. The cruelty is the point. And I outright reject the Biden administration's defense of the embargo. I mean, and, and the group Black Lives Matter, the group, you know, what do we want dead cops? What do we want them now? That group, you know, they, you know, they condemn the U.S. federal government's inhumane treatment of Cubans. Uh we weren't murdering the people of Cuba and stealing their land. We didn't impose communism with false promises of, of everything being free and prosperity and never deliver on them. We didn't pit, you know, uh, citizens against each other to spy for the Castro brothers and this dictatorial regime that still exists. We didn't do any of that. You know, and, and AOC ripping the Biden administration for the Cuban embargo. And Biden is is offering aid to Cuba. Now, here's the problem. You lift the embargo. It takes the pressure off of the government because now the what the, the rest of the, the world is going to provide the goods and services. The best thing for the people of Cuba is liberty and freedom. That is the best thing we can help them with and offer to them. Cuba will, I would tell you, if Cuba became free and liberated today, that in two years from now, Cuba will be an entirely different country. Tourism will soar. You know, businesses will begin to prosper. You know, all these 1950 cars that are held together with super glue and string that they keep on the road, I don't know, I have no idea how they're able to do it and get the parts for everything. But they do. They're incredibly innovative. And the Cuban community, American community down in Miami is rightly 
asking our government to help the freedom movement, not help the dictatorship that has emerged down there that has destroyed the lives of so many. This is the history of communism, socialism, whatever name, form, manifestation. You get all these promises that all your stresses are taken away. They always become unfulfilled promises, false lies. It leads to more poverty, Cuba, Venezuela, two great examples, recent ones. And then it's a matter of how much freedom did you give up in the name of false security? I mean, and the sick thing is that some version of government, everything's free, utopias, that is what the whole Green New Deal is all about. You know, that's what Mark's book is so great about exposing American Marxism. If you haven't gotten a copy, it's a great book. It's on Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Get a copy. If you buy one, share it with a friend. Like Democratic apologists for Cuba's murdering a communist dictatorship. You know, by the way, 2016, Obama praised Cuba's communist dictators. They should be congratulated for making great progress and huge improvement in education and health care. I'm like, huh? Are you, uh, are you out of your mind? Bernie Sanders praising Castro for totally transforming the society. He was a murderer, Bernie. And he stole everybody's land. And he put the people of Cuba in, in unconscionable uh, poverty. Just like Venezuela. You know, then he praised Castro's literacy program. He still refuses to disavow the comments. He's doubled down on them. Castro died in 2016. Fidel. You know, Democrat Karen Bass says the passing of the uh, Comandante is a great loss to the people of Cuba. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. She visited Cuba in the 70s that offered solidarity with the Cuban Revolution. Raphael Warnock memorialized Fidel Castro's legacy as complex upon his death and compared his regime to the United States of America. No, 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 Senator, you're wrong. He didn't object when his church hosted Fidel Castro in 95 and received thousands in donations for his 2020 campaign from the senior pastor who called Castro one of the greatest leaders of the world. Biden's Health and Human Services Secretary, Bussiera, visited Cuba in 1996 on a fact-finding mission, refused to call for free and fair elections in Cuba. Jen Psaki refused to condemn communism and amid these freedom protests. I mean, it's been pretty unbelievable. There was an NPR article, of all things, Headline, Latino voters are leaving the Democratic Party. Yeah. And uh, we saw that in the last election down in Miami, where there's a a high Cuban-American population. Because so many people left Cuba because of the new Green Deal socialism that they're trying to impose on all of us now. Oh, finally, we got them to admit, oh, this is communism as a dictatorship. They lied in the beginning. Oh, no, this is about COVID. No, they just they just want the vaccine. No, that's not what they... Well, they might want that, but they want freedom. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Joe Biden, the nanny state. Here we go again. The, uh, Biden's Department of Energy has now moved to overturn the Trump administration's change to the definition of a showerhead meant to let more water flow. 
The rule changed. This is so important. This is what our government does. Posted in the Federal Register on Friday reverts to an Obama administration standard requiring an entire showerhead fixture to meet a limit of 2.5 gallons of water per minute. I wonder if they're going to have a water showerhead police department. It's unbelievable. Um, now, you're going to love this story, too. And this was on FoxNews.com. Missouri Congresswoman Cori Bush spent nearly $70,000 on private security over the past three months as she advocated for, oh, defunding the police campaign, according to filings. Uh, now, Cori Bush's campaign sent $54,120.92 uh, cents in payments between April 15th and June 28th for security services a New York-based firm with a mysterious online presence, the FEC, record uh, records released on Thursday. Also, the Democrats' campaign also paid 15000 to Nathaniel Davis for security services. Now, look, I want everybody to be safe, but I mean everybody. And this is the, the fallacy of defund and dismantle the police. If you don't have law and order and safety and security, you can't pursue happiness. It's, it's that simple. It's not complicated. By the way, we have an update. We have the 10 Republican members of the Senate Energy Natural Resource Committee signing a letter calling on Joe Biden to withdraw the nominee to lead the Bureau of Land Management. We've been telling you about this woman, Tracy Stone Manning's involvement in eight, 1989, this eco-terrorism incident, as well as her false and misleading statements to the committee about the incident. Uh, we did not make this request lightly, the senator is telling Biden. And anyway, they talked about her involvement in the 1989 tree spiking incident, as well as false and misleading statements to their committee about the incident should disqualify her from leading an agency that manages 65 million acres of forests and woodlands across the U.S. Remember, they used to spike these, you know, old growth forest trees, et cetera, that and it would be it, it literally puts the lives of those that work in the lumber industry and timber industry and and those that cut down these trees puts them in jeopardy because if you're using a chainsaw and you hit the spike or if you're in a a, a, a milling area and it hits a spike uh it causes severe injuries to the workers and then we're going to put this lady in the head of the Bureau of Land Management. This is madness. Biden's latest appointee, you know, here we go again, pushing the envelope, you know, also supported and called for the U.S. depopulation, said children are environmental hazards. Now, they can be a pain in the ass, but they're not environmental hazards. I know I was an incorrigible child, but but this, you know, it's serious. Again, Tracy Stone Manning has a history of far-left radical opinions. Now, she wants, again, she wants to lead this agency and uh, has links to these eco-terrorists. She said, well, I was just writing it out for, for them. No, that doesn't work. The origin of our abuses is us. If there were fewer of us, we would have less impact. We must consume less. And more importantly, we must breed fewer consuming humans. Oh, my gosh. Then there's a picture. Can you find uh, the environmental hazard in this photo? And it's the picture of a child. 
That that's that's the radicalism that's taken over. Finally, we got the the statement of communism about Cuba. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Biden echoed it because they lied to us, and now it's backfiring on them. And maybe they figured out that oh, maybe they, they probably polled it and realized. Yeah, the Hispanic community is not liking their position on Fidel Castro and their unwillingness to take on the murdering communist regime that the people of of Cuba have had to live under. Amazing. But if you're going to come to the U.S. by sea, you're not getting in. So if you want to come, I guess you have to go to the southern border where they just process you and let you in. Now, I know we don't talk about, maybe it's not fashionable to talk about government spending, but I'll just give you the numbers and you can do the simple math in your head. Our government spent $19,762 per person last year. Um, That is an awful high amount of money. Now, especially if you look at the U.S. population is now, according to the census, you know, we expect the population to be 355 million in 2030. Federal spending could hit 20,881 per person. Okay. Now, 2 years after World War 1 ended in fiscal year 1920, the federal government spent approximately uh 6 billion 358 million according to the historical table, the same time the government collected approximately uh the same amount they actually corrected more. They ran a surplus of $291 million when the federal government spending that amount of money adjusted for inflation. Okay. It becomes 82 million, 652. I'm sorry, 82 billion, 652 million, 780,000. And 100 years ago, the 1920 census showed the U.S. had a population of 106 million people. That means that that money the government spent in in fiscal year 1920, Woodrow Wilson, not exactly our best president, equaled $779.58 per person. This is how far we've come from reality. The White House is even now, according to the Washington Examiner, they're they're quietly signaling, yeah, inflation is probably here to stay. Now, Fox had a piece. If you're in the agricultural producing states, you know, a lot of swing states, Wisconsin, et cetera. Yeah, they're they're proposed estate tax changes. Yeah, will likely result in your family having to sell the farm when you croak. Gee, that's a great program. But you might get a big check because of inflation if you're on Social Security. Consumer price index, overall CPI up 5.4% in June, higher than expected. And the one thing you can take out of this, you know, with the rising inflation, well, that might result in a, a big increase in Social Security benefits, cost of living increases. Uh, and that could be a dramatic increase for people on on a fixed budget. But that's headed for bankruptcy and insolvency, too, because they never put that in the lockbox like they promised us they would. You know, even Kamala Harris unwittingly, accidentally, I'm sure, you know, made the case for why Biden's hidden tax of rising prices is devastating. Every month, American families need to buy groceries, gas, pay for rent, homeowners insurance, utilities and car loans. And even if they have enough to make ends meet, it's it's often barely enough. Yeah. okay. And she, you know, look at food prices, gas prices, rent, 
uh, et cetera, electricity. Everything is costing more because of their policies. They're causing all of this. And I don't care how many times Bernie Sanders, he said 3.5, but it's really 4.1 trillion in human infrastructure. He said it won't add to inflation since it's significantly paid for by significantly higher taxes. Oh, you mean corporate taxes that corporations that don't pay taxes that will pay employees less and that will charge more for their goods and services? Oh, that that that's what they're talking about. By the way, this is getting worse by the day. First, it was Cal- Los Angeles yesterday. Uh, now the mask mandate is back there in Nevada. Their health district is recommending masks for all. Once again, what happened to the big lie that if we got the vaccine that we wouldn't need to mask? What happened to follow the science? By the way, the WHO chief finally admits it might have been premature to rule out the COVID-19 lab leak theory. You think? Unbelievable. By the way, the, you know, Ron DeSantis, I saw a, a press release his office put out about this guy gets attacked and all he did was keep his state open and they prospered while other states closed down and they didn't prosper. And it turns out that his handling of COVID was infinitely better than the draconian shutdown states. It's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Los Angeles County reimposing indoor mask requirement. It's all part of everything. We're still stuck with this whole issue of the Democrats are pushing hard. They're looking now for a once one time exemption on the legislative filibuster to ram through HRSR one. That's what they're hoping to get Joe Manchin and Senator Cinema to go along with. By the way, we are following these these audits that are going on. I think Professor Dershowitz was right last night, and Greg Jarrett, I think, agreed also. If they ever get to a point where it brings into question the outcome of the election, do you think the Supreme Court under John Roberts was ever going to take that case up? There's not a chance in hell. I think they have the courage to do uh, take on a case like that. I just don't. I think the court under Roberts, you know, the Rehnquist court, you talk about the chief justice, the, the Roberts court has been highly politicized. And it's obvious. It was obvious with the first Obamacare ru- ruling. Solomon reporting at justthenews.com that Fulton County auditors can't find records for at least 10,000 mail-in ballots. Then, of course, the AJC reported, yeah, it looks like some of the ballots were counted twice. I'm like, huh? How come? And Raffsberger, the idiot that went into that consent agreement with two standards of of uh, identification needed in, in terms of checking people out for voting. You had lax standards if you went the mail-in ballot route, and you had very rigorous standards if you voted in person. We know that happened. We know the Pennsylvania Constitution was ignored. We know from the chief justice in the state of Wisconsin that laws weren't followed in the state of Wisconsin as it relates to mail-in ballots and all of the concessions. That's that. Listen, that's why I keep pushing for the reform, because it can't happen again. You got to have integrity measures in every state, and they're simple. It's voter ID, signature verification, chain of custody control, uh, updated voter rolls, and partisan observers should be able to observe up close and personal the count start to finish. Not that hard to figure out. It's These are simple things, which is all the 
Texas is offering. At some point, the people that escaped are going to have to go back to Texas. The ones that, you know, they're, it's funny. They're, they're filibustering in Texas while urging Washington to lift the filibuster. Okay, the, does that make any sense to you? Our friend Joe Paggs has a, uh, a, remember the song, Leaving on a Jet Plane, Peter, Paul, and Mary? I think somebody else wrote it, but I'll get to that. Um, anyway, he did it about the Democratic legislators. We'll play it for you later in the program. It's very well done. We have a lot that we're going to get to regarding Hunter Biden's zero experience, because now we have a longtime FBI signature expert that says that the Hunter Biden signed that Hunter Biden signed a receipt for the abandoned laptop. Well, I thought we knew that, but now we know it on another level because Hunter Biden's attorneys went to John Paul Mack and said, well, we want Hunter's laptop back. And he said, no, I gave it to the FBI at that point. The FBI apparently, you know, what have they done with it? We'll get into this with John Solomon at the top of the hour. One other story that's breaking is the federal prosecutor investigating Hunter Biden's issues, criminal investigation, reportedly waited until after the election to seek any search warrants. With the, that stalled the public from finding out about the probe. Um, they wouldn't do that with Donald Trump, I could tell you that. Anyway, so we'll, we'll get into an update on all of this coming up at the top of the hour. Now, the other bit of news that we haven't talked about yet is now there's a report and I've been saying this is a bad idea. Politics and sports, really bad idea. Now, the 2021 NFL season is going to feature two national anthems. We only have one. And what they're calling the, the Black National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing, and other social justice messaging they're, they're claiming. And we at the National Football believe Black Lives Matter. I personally pro protest with you and want to be a part of much needed change in the country uh nfl commissioner roger goodell it, it, what's sad about this is you're taking the most unifying event people have a shared passion of all races all all religions all backgrounds they go to watch a, a sport they love a home team they love i don't care if it's tailgating or celebrating a touchdown or celebrating a, a home run in baseball or celebrating a slam dunk or a win on in a basketball arena and people strangers high-fiving each other all races all backgrounds shared passion and now we're adding politics to sports we have a national anthem and we have one flag the olympics doesn't need to redesign the flag and if players want to enlist the help of their fans i think it's a much more unifying way of of doing something positive that they're passionate about but no they're gonna I, i'll tell you what the result is we already see it ratings down by a, at least a third in the nba finals we see the and the major league baseball all-star game was a, a ratings disaster and you see it in the nfl too ever since kaepernick Keep it up because people are just saying, forget it. We're trying to get away from stress of life. We don't need, you know, lectures when we're there to have fun. Right, hour two, Sean Hannity show on this Friday, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. So we had on this program uh, our friend Peter Schweitzer. He broke his book in, what, January 2018, Secret Empires. That was the beginning of the unfolding 
of this story involving zero experience Hunter and all of his foreign business contacts. And it's about to come to a head. I don't know when. I don't want to overpromise. Of course, I'm waiting for the Durham report. So, you know, with this justice system that now is even being weaponized by Joe Biden as we speak, as now Merrick Garland is looking into Georgia's voting law, but not Delaware's restrictive voting laws. So I, I, I'm, I'm a little cautious in any future prediction, but there's no doubt that this laptop is real. There's no doubt that there is direct evidence that Joe Biden lied repeatedly when he said not one time. I never had any conversations, not ever with zero experience Hunter and his farm business dealings. And now we know it's a lie because we know that there are photographs of then Vice President Joe Biden with zero experience Hunter's foreign business partners. Anyway, so I mean, Peter Schweitzer was very clear with us on this program about Joe's direct benefit and the president, Joe Biden, having gotten money from Hunter's farm business dealings. Uh, that's not even a, a, a big aspect of this. Now, we're going to be joined in, in a second by our friend John Solomon. He has news to break uh, as it relates to zero experience Hunter and his uh, laptop. Now, remember, we interviewed John Paul Mac. Isaac it was a very cool guy. He was the guy that saw the compelling evidence against Hunter Biden and handed it over to the FBI. Here's what he said. Now, is the evidence that compelling that it was that relevant? I assume my interpretation is that you saw a flagrant double standard existed. Am I right in my interpretation? Well, I, what, I, what I saw was, uh, you know, uh, Two, two young men that were definitely capitalizing off of uh, at least one of their father's positions to uh, drum up more value in, in their efforts to, to get more money. And it, it, was, it was definitely a pay-for-play scheme that, I, you know, again, I, I got my law degree at Rodeo Clown School, so I'm not, not, Brian's better at the, the legal stuff, but the, uh, it looked like this would be something that you would want to have a conversation with to another foreign leader about, because this was a lot of money that was exchanging hands, like a lot of money. A lot, as we now know. Seems awfully interesting. If it was a Trump, wouldn't they be questioned about whether they were compromised? Now, interestingly, the artiste portraits of a crack addict, Hunter Biden, up to $500,000 anonymous buyers can get his, his great works says he doesn't remember ever dropping off a laptop. Now, one little side note before I play this. Remember, um, at the time, his lawyers went back after it had been given over to the FBI, and the lawyers were seeking Hunter's laptop. But Hunter said, I don't remember dropping off a laptop. Listen. It does not specifically talk about your laptop. Yeah. Was that your laptop? For real, I don't know. I know, but, but you know that's... Is, this is I really a, don't know okay. the answer is. That's you don't know yes or no if the laptop I don't have was any yours. idea. I have no idea. So it could have been yours. Of course, certainly. It, 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 there could be a laptop out there that was stolen from me. There could be that I was hacked. It could be that there was the that it was Russian intelligence. It could be that it was stolen from me. And you, you didn't drop off a laptop to no. be repaired no. in Delaware? Not no. that I remember at all. At all. So we'll see. Not that I remember. I don't remember lying on that gun uh, permit or dumping the gun in a dumpster. Anyway, John Solomon is the editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com, author of the bestseller Fallout. 
He has some breaking news today um, as it relates to this laptop about a longtime FBI signature expert. Uh, I'll let you break the news, sir, considering you did all the hard work. Listen, it's a really great thing. We knew since last year that there was a receipt that John Paul McIsaac gave the person who handed over the computer, and it had a signature on it. And so I went out and hired one of the best signature experts in the world, the FBI's premier guy. This is a guy, his name is Wayne Barnes, 29 years, he was an FBI agent. He's the sort of guy that used signature matching to bring down Soviet spies in America during the height of the Cold War, a true subject expert. We gave him a copy of the receipt. We gave him several uh, signatures that we knew were Hunter Biden signatures, such as on a license or on uh, public documents. He went out and got his own public documents of we didn't even know about that Hunter signed over the years, and he compared them, and he concludes unequivocally, Hunter Biden is the man who signed the receipt the day the laptop was dropped off with John Paul McIsaac. This validates John Paul McIsaac's story, and it is another sign of the lies that the Biden family, the Biden defenders, the Biden let me, administration... Let me put some emphasis on this. Yeah. This is a long-time, now-retired FBI counterintelligence agent. How many years service? 29 years? 29. 29 yeah. years. Okay. A long-time expert in signature analysis. Now, that in and of itself, John Solomon, correct me if I'm wrong... That is that is a real science, is it not? It is. Yes, this man has developed the science over almost 45 years of professional work. He's a court expert. People all around the country, when you talk to FBI executives, current and former, and they say, who, I asked them, who should I go to? The first guy that says, Wayne Barton is your guy. He is a true expert. He came in. He did over a month of evaluation, and he came back and said, there's not any doubt in my mind. Hunter Biden signed that document. Okay, so that confirms the story of everybody. Tony Bobolinsky, John Paul Isaac, uh, who I've interviewed, was a very nice man, by the way. Yeah, and yeah. and he seemed like he was in a lot of trouble. Now, now we learn today from the New York Post that a top federal prosecutor in Delaware decided to pause the criminal investigation of Hunter months before the 2020 election, quote, in order to prevent the public from learning about it, according to this new report. He didn't seek search warrants or issue grand jury subpoenas because he didn't want to alert the public to the existence of the case in the middle of a presidential campaign. Isn't that kind of like big tech and the greatest contribution of Joe Biden, uh, which was that the fact that they wouldn't even acknowledge the laptop story and they, they said it was a lie? Yeah. Listen, how many times have we talked about the dual system of justice, right? To be honest with you, what the U.S. attorney did in the Hunter Biden case is actually recommended in the U.S. attorney's manual. That's great, man. They did it. They filed the manual this time. But let's remember October of 2016, when Donald Trump was in the final phases of his campaign, the FBI, we now know, confirmed the existence of an investigation to the New York Times. They ramped up activity with false vices. We now know their vices two weeks before the election. Donald Trump did not get treated the same way Hunter Biden did. That is a problem under the U.S. Attorney's Manual. It's a problem with the FBI and the Justice Department system. Conservatives and liberals consistently are getting treated differently under the law. That is a problem that erodes all of our confidence in the judicial system we have in America. Isn't that the big issue here? Equal justice, equal application of our laws. Isn't that the bigger issue it is. We have created a two-tier system, and it exists in every part. There's a different way of dealing with Twitter. Twitter lets Adam Schiff's fake tweets about Russian collusion. I'm certain the Russian collusion, they don't censor them. They don't take them down. They don't penalize Adam Schiff. Then they take down true tweets, including 
Facebook and Twitter posts we had about the Wuhan virus and intelligence officials telling us they thought it came out of the lab. They censor conservatives. They censor the truth. Every part of the system, judicial, censorship, big tech, there are two Americas right now, and that is why so many Americans are frustrated. They don't recognize the country they're living in right now. So the question is now, um, I, look, you know that, uh, look, I have to have lawyers vet everything I do now at this point sure. in my life. It just is after, and you yep. know is more than anybody because you went through a lot of it with me at yeah. the time. I mean, you know, yep. we had issues involving unmasking that were raised. We had right. private personal text messages of mine that were released with, for example, like Paul Manafort, right? Uh, three, FBI 302s, you know, dozens and dozens of pages of them with my name all over it. And the State Department actually monitored yours and my social media in violation of the law. They used intelligence assets to monitor what we were doing in the free space of social media. Uh, what? A, and you, you were one of the top targets. I was and a few others, uh, Tom uh, Tom Fitton. Tom Fitton. How, yep. how scary, how scary that all this has gone on. I don't recognize the country at this point. And, you know, people ask me, why don't you have an email? I have friends of mine that think I'm a snob. The things that that you've changed, you you, you know, this fame (laughs) thing has gotten to your head. I'm like, no, my life's changed. And I I don't have email anymore. I don't have access to social media. I haven't for a long time. I've changed my phone numbers however many times uh, for all these things. Now, I don't complain about it. I, you know, well, what's the point of whining about it? But it is what it is. It is a reality that we live in. But I've been told by, but, but I, I, I have to ask my lawyers before I do anything. And I, I have, I have talked to numerous people that have the laptop that yep. are willing to share and give me a copy of it. Yep. I am not, my lawyers forbid me from taking it. Wow. And they're told that there is, there's photos on there that could potentially put me, uh, you know, get me under a criminal investigation these are Hunter's photos. They're not my photos. Yep. Have you heard about them? Uh, I have. I have. So I have a copy of the laptop that does not include the photos, but it is an exact replica of what the FBI got in the emails and documents on that laptop, frozen in time on early December of 2019. I only took the emails. I did not want the photos. I didn't want any of the lewd and lascivious stuff that's on so you there. Talk, so, you, so you talk to your lawyers, too? I did. I did. And, and your lawyers said the same thing. thing. My, my lawyers said, don't touch they it. did. And I'm like, okay, now we're getting stories from the New York Post and the Daily Mail and from you, but no, I don't know many, and we know Rudy has the whole thing, and Rudy said, take it. They wouldn't give it to him. Right. They wouldn't take it from him. Yep. Yeah, listen, the FBI's had it. There's no doubt. I've, I've done a lot of work on this laptop. Here are three very important things. One, I have talked to dozens of people who had emails with Hunter Biden that are on the laptop. They confirm, yes, that is my email. That email got sent. There's not any d- doubt that the information on the laptop is authentic. It's not any doubt the FBI has this version of a laptop. I have confirmed it with FBI sources. I've seen the subpoena upon which they obtained it. And here's the third thing, and perhaps the most important thing. Joe Biden, Jen Psaki, Hunter Biden have all looked into cameras telling the American people this isn't true. I, we didn't help him. He didn't do this. That's not a real laptop. This is a Russian disinformation campaign. Every one of those statements have been proven false. They've been documented to be false. Our president has lied to us. His son has lied to us. The defenders of the Biden family have lied to us. That is a very important issue for Americans to, to, to absorb and realize we were not told the truth in November, October, September last year when this laptop first surfaced. Quick break. More with uh, John Solomon, editor-in-chief, justthenews.com. News you won't get from big tech or the media mob or any Democrat. Uh, But this is all coming to a head on Hunter as we continue. 
right, John Solomon is with us, editor-in-chief, justthenews.com. As we continue now, the walls are beginning to cave in on the uh, Biden family syndicate and zero experience Hunter and his laptop from hell. So based on what we know is in there in terms of the financial compromise and the lies that Joe told about never talking to Hunter about business, and then what we're both being told as it relates to photos that would be considered uh, highly illegal uh, on anybody's laptop, the question is, why does nothing happen? And by the way, have you ever heard about John Dorham recently? Where's John Dorham? I will say, and again, I, I, I'm going to hold out on this one on you, Sean. I do believe John Durham has a very active investigation. I saw signs of it yesterday, yesterday afternoon. I, I, I picked up new signs. Yeah, I know it's frustrating, but there's a real investigation going on, Durham. I don't see that level of activity on the Hunter Biden front. And it's preposterous, right? Because we know from the United States Senate, from the work that Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley did, Hunter Biden was making payments to sex traffickers, to people known to be involved in sex trafficking. From the documents I authenticated and and, uh, put into the public, Hunter Biden was told in 2016 he had failed to pay taxes on the money he got from Burisma, that Ukraine company at the, the center of all this scandal. He didn't pay his taxes. How hard is this for the FBI or the Justice Department to make a case on just those two factual items that are sitting out there? There is a reason, I don't know what it is, that the Justice Department hasn't taken action. I see far more activity in the Durham investigation than I see in the Hunter Biden investigation. All right, John Solomon, great work as always. Uh, You can get John's writings. His website has gone gangbusters. It's really taken off. Uh, it's just the news.com. He's the editor in chief, author of the bestseller, uh, fallout. John Solomon, thank you for being with us. 800-941-SEAN is, uh, our toll free telephone number. Uh, Linda, true or false? Am I off social media? Yes, you are. Linda, true or false? Do I have any email account? You do not. I do not. Linda, true or false? Some friends of mine think I've become a snob because of the, the, the security measures I've had to take in my life. This is very true. Have I changed in any way over the course of the years we've been together that would justify labeling me a snob? You do wear button-down shirts now, but I fully support that effort. They have to. Fox makes me. <laughs> no, but even in your private life, at least now you're wearing some Occasionally, buttons down. For a while, it's getting weird. Okay, I like my I like my NYPD shirts, my FDNY shirts. I like my dojo shirts. Um, that's yeah, what I, I prefer. Yeah, I know, but they don't need to be for every moment of every day. That's all I'm saying. Are you getting rid of my jeans next? Does that go away, too? No, I like jeans. Wear jeans all day. Just don't wear them with white socks and loafers. You look like a dork. I don't wear loafers, and I don't wear white socks. Good grief. Mm-hmm. All right, 25 to the top of the hour on this Friday. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, just a quick survey of our team. Now, J.C. Owen is our engineer, chief engineer, probably the, the greatest sports uh, aficionado on the show, knows more about sports than everyone else on the show. Uh, although I'm passionate about it. Ethan and Katie are passionate about it. Linda knows nothing about sports. Uh, absolutely useless in any sports-related conversation. Um, uh, first no offense. of all, I think that's a little strong. I am very good at making uh-huh. all foods for sports parties. I make excellent <laughs> sports parties. I am like the best sports party You didn't even thrower. know last year when I was using the analogy, you, you just, just you got to act like you're down. Two minutes left in the game. No time. Oh, God, that analogy was the you're most annoying your, thing to me. You're oh, on the your own 20. You got to march down the field 80 yards, cross the plane, kick the extra point, And you didn't know what that meant. Everybody no, else in don't. America and knows what care. that means. 
But you I make great care. chicken wings is what you're telling me. Let me let me guess. I, you, I don't uh, actually don't make chicken wings. I make dips and like sandwiches, oh meatballs. God, your dips have to be horrible. Why would you need dips no, and you can get? No, why would you you're, say you're, I, so I, I guarantee well, your dips are like, you know, oh, uh, healthy green puke something. Just and healthy, because it's healthy doesn't mean it doesn't taste good. Okay. You it know just what, means you know it doesn't what add like? more weight. You know Lay's potato chips? They've yeah. got an onion dip that is so delicious. You know Doritos? Is it? Is it? Does it have preservatives in it where it can sit on a shelf okay. for thirty-five years? Because uh, that probably, could have a lot to do with I, things. I never read the onion dip recipe or ingredients on the can. It comes in a can. Mm-hmm. When you buy mm-hmm. potato chips, it's right there next to the potato mm-hmm. chips. I love mm-hmm. onion dip. I also love salsa, and I usually like eat medium is good for me. I don't like it too hot. Um, sometimes mild if uh, I'm in the mood for mild, but I like salsa. I love salsa, Tostito salsa, just to match the chips. And you get the scoopy ones where you get to scoop it out and it puts it right in the middle and you stuff it in your face. And you're telling me you make better dip than, than Lay's potato chips? I don't believe that. Yes, of course. Everything what are your, homemade well, okay, is better. What are, your, what are your great dips? I make a spinach artichoke dip. I make just Cute. a spinach I dip. I hate artichokes. Spinach artichoke okay. is outstanding. It's you, you don't know what you're missing out on. That's, you don't. That's quality stuff, man. And you make it in sourdough bread and you dip it. It's a, it's fantastic. I do like sourdough bread. A yeah, certain type that? of Yeah, you need to apologize for that spinach artichoke crap. Oh man, see that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, all right. What what else do you what other, what else do you make for the Super Bowl? I make Bowl? homemade pizza on fresh Ugh. bread. I make fresh Ugh. rolls. Where you can Ugh. put, you know, meatballs on it. I do a, a sausage and regular meat meatball. I make my own gravy. You know, the whole thing. All right. That, that might be able to get into. Now, now you're moving a little more you in might. the territory. I think you would. But I let me ask everybody you, would. do you put salt in it or do I have to like put my own salt on it? On I top leave of the... salt out. I have a Himalayan salt. Aye, aye, aye. I have a nice Chilean salt. And then I have uh, regular salt. Oh, my God. I want, no, I want hot Just dogs. Just fry it in butter and then he'll eat it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Let me get you your salt lick. <laughs> oh my gosh! I, I, I by just, the way, I can't, not for I can't nothing, live. Sean. Now I don't eat a lot either. Uh, you know me. I'm very disciplined. In no, my you're life. a picker. You're a grazer. Not you're that person really. that goes and you have like a little something, then you go back. My and latest have another little diet something. that I have found works for me, and I'm going to try mm-hmm. something new. I've never tried bone marrow broth. People keep telling me it's healthy, but I I have these chicken bouillon cube, uh, cubes. Uh-huh. And instead of meals, I replace them with chicken bouillon. Now so I know it's high you're in sodium. Consuming 990 milligrams of sodium. Okay, per cup. I understand that. That's what my blood pressure pills are for. So oh, okay, okay, but it it definitely satisfies me enough that I'll miss the meal, and I usually only have one real meal a day and one little baby meal a day. That's the only way, and and it's usually meat related, and I work out like an animal. You know how hard so I work out. So you're sacrificing being fat for getting a stroke. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're such true. a jackass. Well, why, why does my team it's always true. turn on me? Everybody, no, I am not. You have I'm the audacity to make fun of what she eats, and you're like bone marrow. Mm. Okay, I don't want air fried French fries. Nobody wants air fried French fries. I want McDonald's or Wendy's or White Castle French fries. Did you see that Chick-fil-A was the number one fast food restaurant in America? Yeah. And, you know, all these attacks on Chick-fil-A, you know what it makes me want to do? Eat more Chick-fil-A. Absolutely. I, you know what? I lo- and it's the dumbest sandwich, in, but it's delicious. 
all they do is put a two, you know, a bun, and then on top of the bun, you know, you got the the delicious chicken. You know, I like the fried whatever chicken thing, and a, one slice of cheese, and and I ask for extra pickles. It's delicious. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I love it's that. So spicy awesome. chicken sandwich is every bit as good, if not better, than that Popeye spicy chicken sandwich. They yeah, make well, really, I tried really both. good stuff. Well, I what Chick Fil A? Yes. Yeah. Chick-fil-A. Oh my God! Uh, let me tell you, it is the most amazing thing in the entire world. I told you about my friends, and they they're down in Florida, and they I think they have four restaurants now. And I found I, I can't believe it is amazing. You wouldn't think that you could ever enjoy chicken salad the way they make this chicken salad. Chicken salad, chick. Did you ever hear about that place? Well, yeah, we talked about it with you. You made me look it up. We put it on the air. We put it on the Hannity.com. We, we, you know, it's everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it is. They got classic, which I love. They have names to it, but it's because it's just an amazing. It's called Chicken Salad Chick. It's in Pinellas and Pasco counties in the Clearwater area of Florida. Um, and I'm telling you, it is so delicious. They have lines out the door every day. And that's all they sell is chicken salad. Right. Well, they got, they're doing one thing really great. well. Which Classic is what Carol. you should do. They have names for them. Classic Carol, Fancy Nancy, Buffalo Barclay, Sassy Scotty, Jalapeno Holly. <laughs> it's great. It was all named after the women in the founder's uh, life. And I, it is so, it's so good. And I ask him, how many pounds of chicken? I'm like, how many hundreds of pounds a day? I'm like, what? Wow, that's insane. And it, it's delicious. And chicken salad is healthy. I love chicken salad. Love everything. We I love gathered. All food. Yeah, I should. But I have I, to. I have to correct you on one thing. Can I correct you on one thing? Okay. Katie gives Jason a run for his money in knowledge of all sports. That girl knows a lot. Oh, real is Jason? Is that true? Yeah, we have we have a lot of conversations uh, after the show about sports, and she's yeah, she knows her stuff. Wow, I, I can I I learned some things. I, I've I've forgotten a lot of stuff, and she reminds Maybe me. Maybe I'll task Katie. You can put your mic on, Katie. I know you're scared to death, and you're going to lie to me and say, "Oh, I'm over my fear of going on the radio." But you're I'm not. not lying. It's true. I, I'm no, cured. I don't believe you. I don't have to talk ever again. <laughs> no, because I said I was going to put you on every day for three months, and you said no you, until your fear was gone. And you said my fear's gone today. Your fear's not gone. But we got to conquer the fear. But you're you give Jason a run for the money. Can you please educate Linda in sports? Sure. This is really bad. Oh, First of all, it's not an education. You have to have a desire. What does I don't cross have a desire. the plane mean? I don't know. Ethan's typing you now. Well, how many points do you get for a touchdown? Seven. Wrong. No, it's not. It's seven. It's six. Sorry, he he oh, right. The other point, point the thing where they kick it. Right. That's the it's extra. The thing I where know. they kick it. Right. That's called the field goal, right? No, that's called punting the ball. No, that's not called punting the ball. <laughs> yes, it is. I thought that's what it was called. No, it's Katie, you not. It's called? No, no, there's a thing. Not. It's no. got another okay, name. Okay, that's called the extra point. You and, know, the and, thing. The thing. The thing in the like thing. Joe. She's the thing. We're endowed by the... Oh, but the better thing. than Joe, I actually know all those important things. Those things I do No, no, no. Listen, you're, you're way more alert than Joe. Come on, man. Uh, Come on, man! Come on. You're on, you're on crack. You're crack. You, you junkie. Seriously. Come on, man! Come on, man! Oh gosh. Where's yeah, corn pop when you get, need How many him, points right? do you get for a field goal? Um. Hmm. Okay. I, no, I honestly, Ethan's writing you I, now. Okay. No, he's he, not. He I swear he to you, no one is writing me. 
I truly don't know. I wouldn't even pretend okay. to know. It's I really, do, I just don't know. And we've already gone over this 10 times. That's the problem. I know, You're but still... you know what it is? I just don't care. I don't you care. Need... Listen. So I have no I, space I, in my head what? for it. They're, they're, all the politics is making me not care anymore. Jason, so is we'll it see, I'm way ahead of the game. You're viewing because of the politics. No, it's having an, uh, no, not. because because in the end, look, you keep saying that the NHL was didn't have any of that social justice thing last year in the bubble. They did. There were black players who knelt. There were white players who knelt. And in the end, for me, I'd rather not see it. But when when the puck gets dropped and the ball gets tipped and the kickoff is done, I don't think about that stuff when the game's going on. It just it, it takes the most unifying moment of people of all backgrounds, all races, creeds, colors, socioeconomic uh, uh, levels, and it and you have a shared passion of the sport, a shared passion for your team. It's a unifying moment. Get politics out of it. I well, mean, I hope stop. that the the story that I saw about the NFL players thinking about wearing jerseys that have the names of people who are victims of police violence. I, I I have no idea why the owners would agree to that. That's that's going way too far. I'll tell way you how it's going to end up. The ratings will continue to go down because people don't want to see it. That's my guess, and I've been proven right so far. And ratings will go down, and you know who's going to end up getting hurt the most? Players. They're going to make less money because there'll be less revenue available. They won't be able to do it. Well, they already have to make up for the revenue that was lost because of the pandemic because the stadiums were empty. So they, they have to watch themselves on this one. Well, I, I, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, maybe some people will just ignore it all, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're going to sing two national anthems, I, I, I just really like I don't know how we're going to reconcile. I mean, you've got universal guaranteed income now out in California. And, and as so goes California, so goes the rest of the world. I'm sorry, the rest of the country. That is that is pure socialism. And that is going to destroy liberty and freedom. And all these promises government makes that the same people that can't keep law and order, the same people that don't keep you safe and secure, the same people that destroyed your school systems, the same people that lied about Obamacare, the same people that squandered the, quote, lockbox money for Medicare and Social Security that are now headed towards insolvency. None of these promises are ever, ever going to be fulfilled. It's not happening. And that's the, that's the tragedy of socialism. And it maybe sounds very appealing. Uh, you know, you know when it, look, don't you feel a sense of pride, all of you? You all work so hard. I don't let anybody leave their desk every day. I buy lunch for my radio team. I buy dinner for my TV team. They buy the same crap you do, but it's it's you know whatever whatever you want. If you want sushi, if you want Linda's disgusting green and orange puke shakes. And well, soups. now I have a hankering for some marrow. Exactly. I haven't tried the bone marrow bouillon, but I am on to chicken bouillon. I, I it's fifteen to twenty calories. That's it. One cube, two cups of water. It's delicious. It is so good. I can't even tell you. And it, it for me, it, it, that replaces a meal. Sometimes on some days, if I'm doing really good, it replaces two meals. And I feel it just satisfies me. Does it make you crazy when you hear someone like Donald Trump Jr. saying that the only reason he does is because he's a Biden <laughs> and because uh, of his last name <laughs> yeah. and how just 
wildly yeah. comical that is? I mean, does it? It, it is wildly comical. Is that, that's putting it um, uh, lightly, I think. But, but you know, I really what I've learned is this, is that I don't spend too much time thinking about it. I do. I think about it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'll think about it for you. Well, maybe that's why, because I have other people to think about it for me. I have other people to think about it for me. Do you me. know Donald yeah. Trump Jr.? No. You've no. never met him? No, never no. met him. Okay. No. I didn't know. I don't know. Maybe you guys went to a school together or something like no. that. You've no. never met the guy. No. Wow, that's no, not first. that I know of. Not that I know of. But yeah. I'm, you say not that I know of. some pretty, pretty rough places. All right, let's get a quick call in. I meant to go to the, the calls. Uh, Andrew's in North Carolina. What's up, Andrew? How are you, sir? Hey, Sean. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? So Hunter Biden, he's just taking a playbook out of the Clintons and recycling their operation, selling his, I guess, high school level so-called art for favor and a whole lot of money. It's kind of, I don't know, interesting that it's he's selling for $500,000, the same amount Bill Clinton got for a speech in Russia a couple of years ago. We, the American people, we see that. We see right through it. You know, I'm I'm, afraid that the. Listen, how do you. Hunter the Great Painter? 500,000, but it's all going to be anonymous, so it's okay. Uh, No, I want it to be transparent. I want to know who's paying, you know, 500 grand for that crap. Because if I can do it and it looks like the type of painting I would make, then it's not actually art. That's, I can't paint right. anything. I can't, I can't even paint by numbers and stay within the lines. I couldn't color as a kid either. I have no right. patience it's, for it. You have to really... What's up? It's going to be shady people who are paying that kind of money who expect favors in return. Yep. Just like the, the, the syndicate continues. You would think yep. they would have learned by now, but I guess because there's no consequences heretofore, why would they care? I mean, it's such a good yep. point. All right, appreciate the the call, my friend. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free number. Quick break, right back. All right, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour. We'll get to your calls uh, throughout this uh, hour. 800-941-SEAN is our number if you want to be a part of the program. Now, we broke a story this week um, on this program and on Hannity about the U.S. Olympic Committee and their redesign as it relates to the stars and stripes. And... You know, and to the credit of the U.S. Olympic Paralympic Committee, uh, you know, and the U.S. Olympians and Paralympian Associations, and they, they were asking everyone to fill out an online survey. One of the items on the survey is a proposed change to the Stars and Stripes that is used by the USOPC materials. And we got a hold of this survey, and then we reached out to them, and... Um, I, I don't believe we need any changes to our flag. We have one flag and I, you know, and then they responded and they got back to us and they said that they are in the early stages there. These are the design brainstorming stages, a variety of concepts that they're sharing with stakeholders quote. The exact quote was we're in the very early stages of potentially exploring new brand executions for the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. And it's common practice in the creative development to share a variety of concepts with stakeholders for reaction and feedback that will then be used to determine the next steps. Uh, What was sent to you is just one of uh, dozens of ideas shared in this brainstorming and surveying process. Now, my argument is very simple. You know, if you're associated in any way with our Olympics and Paralympics, we already have a flag. 
It's called the United States of America, the Stars and Stripes. That should be the only flag. You don't need to be wasting your money and designing and brainstorming on a new flag and a different flag because they, they had different printouts of athletes with a different flag. And my message is stop wasting your time and money. Um, it's an awful idea. We have the Stars and Stripes. That's the flag that represents our country, one nation under God, indivisible. And that should be used for the Olympics and Paralympics and any associated organizations of this. And all these great Olympians that make us so proud represent the United States. And it's the United States of America, and we already have a flag. It's not, not that hard. Then they put out a statement after I broke the story that it was just one of many concepts. We want to be clear. We love our country. We respect the American flag. We do not have any intention, not to mention authority, to change our nation's, our country's flag. But that's not the point. You're associated with the Olympics at the highest level. You already have the flag. Anyway, this has now made its way into uh, Congress, which is getting very interesting. And I have a letter in front of me, and it's sound by a number of congressmen. And it's 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 written to the to the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. We're concerned about the growing trend of American athletes taking advantage of the international platform afforded by the Olympic Games to perpetuate divisive, hateful, anti-American ideology ideologies. As you're likely aware, social media comments made by Chelsea Wolf was qualified as an alternate to represent the U.S. in the Summer Olympics, recently received widespread attention. In one post, Ms. Wolf claims, quote, my goal is to win the Olympics so I can burn the U.S. flag on the podium. In another comment, Wolf implied that President Donald J. Trump should be assassinated. Okay, so they asked respectfully uh, that if no kind of political demonstration or religious or racial propaganda be permitted in Olympic sites. By the way, that is Rule 50 in the International Olympic Committee's Olympic Charter. Anyway, one of the uh, uh, writers of this letter, one of the authors of this letter, is with us now, and that's Congressman Matt Rosendale of Montana. Uh, like the congressman, I'm as outraged as he is. Uh, sir, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me on, John. Let's first talk about the issue that I broke this week and, and my team broke this week as it relates to the the creative design uh, changes to the American flag. Uh, why would they even waste a second uh, even suggesting or proposing anything like that? Sean, I don't know. I think this all goes along with this uh, emphasis on trying to promote uh Critical race theory, CRT, as it's being um, described around the nation, to uh, try to show our country to be this terrible, divisive, systemically racist place where no one can get ahead unless the government is out there protecting them. And I, I do not accept that premise. I refuse to accept that premise. I think this is an incredible nation. Personally, I raised and lowered the flag for five years when I was in middle school. Every single day I went out there, raised the flag, lowered it back down in the afternoon. I have a, a, an incredible sense of pride. I think that it would be nice if we could reflect back upon the U.S. men's hockey team, ice hockey team, in 1980 when we had the Miracle on Ice 
and everyone had such a sense of pride and patriotism about our nation and our athletes that were competing at the U.S. Olympics. And so that is one of the reasons why I got together with 39 of my colleagues. I don't want to put my nose into the Olympics. I don't want to tell them how to run their operation there. But I did want to remind them that their own rules certainly should govern the way that people conduct themselves. And as you stated, Rule 50 clearly outlines that no kind of demonstration or political, religious, or racial propaganda is permitted in any Olympic sites, venues, or other areas. Let us watch sports. Let us watch the best that our country has supported, that our country has created, and let us watch and cheer them on. I I don't think it's any more complicated than that. Uh, So the question is, you know, what happened? Did, Did you get a response from the Olympic Committee? No, we have not received a response, and we're monitoring uh, such activities as what you just described. And and, and I'm watching very closely to see, is it going to require more uh, more action? Uh, My next action is to start looking at what kind of benefit do they receive from any kind of tax exemption, any kind of support from from the... uh, the code that we have put in place that these athletes are taking advantage of, not to mention the franchise, if you will, of the United States of America to go out there and compete before they go and use that to promote themselves. You know, I, I find this, you know, what, what happened to the idea? I don't know if you noticed the, the story that, that came out. I mean, it's, you know, the wokeness of America here, but now the report that, the upcoming NFL season is going to feature, uh, quote, two national anthems and other social justice messaging here. I, I, I just thought that, you know, I really believed in that Martin Luther King's dream of a colorblind society and the idea that we're one nation under God and indivisible and that we have one flag and one national anthem. Uh, but apparently, I, I guess the NFL is is going full on woke. Uh, to me, I I'm, I'm listening and watching, and we see sports ratings on television going going down by dramatic numbers. I mean, when you look at the NBA Finals, it was down 33 uh, percent. When you look at Major League Baseball, the All Star Game, it was the lowest number in the history of the sport. Um, it's happening. Football numbers have been down ever since Kaepernick got on the scene and started with taking a knee and other people staying in the locker room, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, why don't we keep politics out of sports? Because you have a unifying moment where people have a shared passion and that is number one, the sport number two, their home team. I mean, I don't know if you've had this experience, Congressman, I've had it many times where, you know, somebody hits a home run, you're high-fiving strangers. Somebody, you know, your home team gets a touchdown, you're high-fiving strangers. You're sharing beer and popcorn, talking to people. You don't know what their politics are. Why are we bringing politics into sports? People want to get away from the, the stress of everyday life. That's exactly why they brought, watch sports. They want the, the distraction. They just want to go in there and watch a healthy competition. You know, one of the, one of the uh, venues that I've seen that is starting to pick back up on support and attendance, though, is NASCAR. And you know they have a, a prayer and the national anthem at the beginning of every one of those races, Sean, and everybody stands up, they remove their hats, and they still celebrate patriotism 
and and God and country at a NASCAR race. Interesting how their their attendance is picking up. Yeah, I mean there, and I, I don't know if you watched the NHL Stanley Cup series, but the New York Islanders fans they just took over the singing of the anthem. The same thing happened exa- in Tampa Bay with the Tampa Bay Lightning. The same thing happened in a Walmart. I did. I saw that. And people want to celebrate the greatness of our country. We don't want to remove or erase our history. We understand that you have to to reflect upon it in order to continue to make the great strides that we have. As you said, Martin Luther King, let's judge people by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. And we have made tremendous strides, and people are doing it. And, And so let's continue to celebrate the greatness of our country. We have lifted more people around the globe out of poverty and oppression than any country on earth and have asked for nothing in return. And let's celebrate it. You know, I, I, I can't say it any better. And yeah, we, we've made a lot of progress, thank God. And we have a lot more progress to make, but we're making that too. And, and I think yep. most, Amer- I don't believe most Americans are racist. I believe most Americans are good people. And and I think most Americans view people that are racist, racist as ignorant. And this constant, you know, refrain of the Democrats, Jim Crow 2.0, et cetera. Joe Biden's state has far more restrictive voting laws than does the state of Georgia. And now we empower the, you know, we weaponize the DOJ to go after Georgia, but not after Joe's state of Delaware, where he never lifted a finger to make voting more accessible for the citizens in, in Delaware. I mean, it's all they're trying to do is make voting easy and cheating hard. It's real. That's exactly it. Let's make voting easy and cheating hard. Uh, Well said. Anyway, Congressman, appreciate you doing this. Please update us when you hear back from them, if you don't mind. I will do so. Listen, thank you so much, and uh, good luck, and and Godspeed to you. I appreciate it. That's uh, Congressman Matt Rosendale from the great state of Montana. All right, to our busy phones we go. Uh, we'll say hi to Annette is in North Carolina on the Sean Hannity Show. Annette, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Oh, thank you very much for having me on, Sean. And I listen to you every day. You're a great teacher. You re- you do a lot of repetition, which helps me to take my notes. You know, so I, I, I get criticized sometimes for that, but there's a method to my madness. Well, I, because I, if you say something, something once, Sean, what's that? Yeah, I want to tell you something. I want to challenge you to do more repetition on fans singing the national anthem. Do that all the time. Find a place in your radio station. You got three hours every day somewhere, somewhere in there. Because no talking is as much as what that meant to me when I heard it. I wept. How do you sing to the top of your lungs and weep at the same time when you're singing the national anthem? And I know every one of them were crying their eyes out when they were singing that song. So I want to ask you, Sean, if you would consider playing not just any national anthem, but our national anthem with the fans doing the singing from beginning to the end, even if you have to take out your country song in the very beginning and put that in its place. You know, look, I I tell you what I do want to do, and I'm thinking through this as you are, and I appreciate your input. I really do, because I love it. Every time I would watch 
first it was the Islanders, then it was the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'd, I'd love this to happen in every sport. I'd love the crowd to take over the singing. You know, you can get somebody to start it and then somebody to, you know, to finish it. But it just is, you know what? And if if the social justice warriors in sports, they want to hide in the locker room. They want to take their knee. Go ahead. Let the people now have their say because they're ruining professional sports by adding politics to it. And and I, I know for me, it's alienating me. It's making me tune out. I'm not boycotting. I'm just saying I am. It makes me less interested. I just get disgusted and I I turn it off. Um, I didn't turn off the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs this year at all. I enjoyed every game. Great games this year. Anyway, great idea, Nat. Quick break. Right back. Your calls. Final half hour. Straight ahead. All their bags are packed. They're ready to go. Had a job to do, they were a no-show. Instead, they packed some beer and grabbed a plane. The job is simple, you simply vote. Not about your political bloat. Have your voice heard to leave is just insane. So kiss my ass, you cowards Took off to thwart the powers You're so woke, what is it that you took? Cause they're leaving on a jet plane Locked up when they come back again Oh lefties, why'd you go? So many times you've let us down Pushing socialism round the town I tell you now we're on to your sick game You ran away from your sworn task On that plane you were having a blast Funny thing you weren't wearing masks So kiss my ass, you losers You're just power abusers How dare you run to D.C. and hide You all left on a jet plane We'll love when you come back again Oh, babe, you're going to jail That was one of the best ever. Anyway, our friend Joe's Pags is uh, with us. Uh, the first, I, this was written and sung first by John Denver. Um, John Denver, I mean, he got a bad rap, but I mean, he wrote some really cool songs and very thoughtful songs. I don't know why. Um, and that was a tragedy. He had a plane crash and lost his life. Uh, Pags, how are you? All your all your friends down in Texas, they split on you. They took off. Uh, <laughs> all of my friends, Sean. Uh, all of these yeah. people are, are, are out of their minds, man. I actually tried to get a hold of the guy, uh, Tallarico, this guy, James Tallarico, that was on with Pete Hegseth the other day. He won't come on my show. Uh, I don't know what these people are trying to do, but when they got on the plane and left, I mean, they're living in the lap of luxury. And that today, I think you probably noticed, they're calling themselves victims. It's all very strange, man. 
Yeah, the victims, why? Because they have to do their own laundry. They didn't pack enough to stay for a long enough period of time, not knowing. You know, how do state legislators not know what the law is? I had Governor Abbott on TV this week, and I said, okay, so what's the story? When they come back to Texas, they get arrested. So, well, not really arrested. They get they get picked up by by police, and then they they get free transportation uh, to do their job, and they're brought into the, the state capitol, and um, they lock the doors behind them, and that means they'll get the quorum and the vote's going to happen. So there's nothing that it can really do under Texas law. Uh, one of the many, many other reasons I like Texas so much better than any other liberal state like New York or California or any socialist utopia that we have around the country. I couldn't um, agree more. What blows my mind is they're getting their $211 a day per diem. They're still getting paid. And these people, they know what the end game is going to be. But but here, here's the rub. And I know that you've talked about this. They're in Washington trying to get this stupid bill passed. And they're against the filibuster as they physically, Sean, are filibustering. They're filibustering Texas right now trying right. to end the filibuster. Am I, am I losing my mind here? Yeah, you're losing your mind because it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Why would things like this make any sense? <laughs> you know, it's amazing. So we, I, let me bring people inside our world a little bit of talk radio. And once a year, we often get together at Michael Harrison's Talkers Convention, which I try never to miss. And right. and we actually like to kick it off with the Sean Hannity Show Breakfast as we, as the, it's a great seminar for industry people. It's a very small circle of us. And everybody thinks that, you know, well, if you're in talk radio, you must hate the other person. Donald Trump used to think, well... You know, you always say Russia's Babe Ruth and Russian, and, and I'm like, don't you want to beat him? I'm like, no. I said, I want him to be successful because we all benefit the more successful he is, right? Um, and we'll never be able to replace this guy. I would say 98% at least of people in radio, I just love. I mean, we, we have a, we're, we're all blessed to do this, and people have the perception that we don't like each other. You know, people like you and Lars Larson, you know, have huge, huge, you know, reach and regional followings that are massive. And the great one, Mark Levin. Um, and, I'm, you know, Dan Bongino's now on. We like Dana Lash. Um, all these people in radio I'm friends with. You know, you and I have been friends for how many years to, um, together? You know, we're friends well, over I, at Salem, like Mike Gallagher and, and Dennis Prager, and I'm going to forget names here. But, you know, there's so many good people in radio. Well, I think that what people don't realize is that we're not really competing at all. In fact, you always explain it that, that we're all spokes on a wheel. And, yep. and for your audience, and you won't talk about this, so I will, um, many, many years ago, I was doing way too much radio every day, seven hours oh, a day. And, and I was talking, this is a great story. Right, right. I, I, was, I was talking to you like an AOL instant messenger or something. I was fixing my car at the time. And I was like, man, I'm working all these hours. I'm doing all this stuff. And you said, call me right now. So what are you talking about? I mean, I had never talked to you on the phone. We'd met. And, and we, we've been friends. We actually met in, in uh, I think it was 2002. So we've known each other almost 20 years. And then um, you said, call me. And, and I did. And I said, well, what's going on? You said, what's the matter? You said some profanity. And then you said, what's the matter with you? Stop it. You're going to kill yourself. We need your voice. We need you strong. What are you doing seven hours a day? There's something wrong with you. And, and, and that was such great advice because you could have said, hey, screw this guy. Let him do seven hours a day. This way I don't have to worry about him. You never worried about me at all. You actually were a guy who wanted me to succeed and wanted me to prosper because you knew that it would be better for the audience out there if we had more voices, giving more information. And you, I, listen, at that moment, I looked at my wife and I said, this guy is a diamond. 
this guy is unbelievable. I never expected to get that from you. And from I, then I, on, and I wasn't being critical. I admire your work ethic. I really did. But I also know how hard it is to do this job right. And yeah, it is right. impossible. It is physically impossible. It's mentally exhausting enough doing three or four hour shifts, which most radio hosts do. Right. It is. But that's the max. I, and, and believe me, to do what I do every day and what you do every day, I, I'm, I am like a Marine. I get up, right. I work out an hour and a half, and then I study, study, study. That's all I do. And then I do my radio show. And I might get some chicken broth bouillon or whatever I'm drinking or, or have a hamburger or something, whatever. And then I get right back into it. And I'm writing the monologue for the night. And that takes a lot of time. And and then I, I, I try to get to sleep as early as possible, which is usually right. like 3 a.m. because I stay up. And I just knew that there was a better business model also out there for you. And you were too talented not to not to look at it a little differently, and I just didn't want you to get burnt out. Well, I think your quote was, you're doing seven hours of crappy radio right now. Why don't you do I did not say it. No, I did not say that. No way. <laughs> no, I said you can't do your best work if you're focused right. on seven hours a day. Exactly and, right. And, and you know something, and your show has, has been a massive hit around the country. Like, we love Mark Simone in New York. Mark right, Simone right. is the most... We My old station in New York, we call it the ex-wife station... Um, you know, I loved everybody, even the people that I, that hated my guts, like Ron Kuby. I like Ron Kuby. You right, know, right. we had great people there. Steve Malsberg, Curtis Lee was running for mayor. There was a great group of people there. Um, and there was always little petty infighting stuff, but nothing that meant anything to me. And, exactly. but they're great groups of people. And I don't look at my success based on someone else's failure. I, I think a rising tide lifts all boats. And and that's why you're the success you are, because had you looked at it that way, you could have told me, you know, screw you. I'm not going to talk to you. But what you actually said was <laughs> do great radio. That, well, you, you could have, but you didn't. And, and at the end of the day, you're right. I would not have the success I have now had it not been for those few moments of advice from you. And I really mean that. Well, I, I still think you have a lot more growth in you, to be very blunt. I'm trying. I'm and, trying, brother. you know, I know that there's there's something about this. I can't explain it. Um, Howard Stern, I think, did a really good job of showing it in the movie Private Parts. I don't know if you can relate to the movie as much as I do. I can. But, you know, like early in your career when you try to sound like a radio guy because you you have in your, minds, <laughs> in your mind what a radio guy should sound like. All right, now a check of WWW weather, hazy, hot, humid, <laughs> cancel late afternoon thunderstorms. Right now it's 78 degrees in the right. greatest city in the world, New York City on WWWW. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and I was like that, you know, when I started. I was stupid. I mean, but... Me too. Because we I've didn't know what tape. to do. I mean, you have this. Is, there's no manual. You got to learn as you go, sure, man. But the, the the hardest part of what we do, and I hope people can relate to this, is sounding like ourselves on the radio. That's the hardest thing to do because you're right. For the first period of time, and Howard Stern did show it very well. We're trying to sound like what we think radio people sound like. Exactly. Once we find our own voices, we're good. We all do. You know, when I would travel the country, and I drove a lot more than I do now. Um, and I'd go on these long drives, I'd always find local radio stations. And then you'd hear that one host that is begging, like Alec Baldwin, the tape we play of him, which is, you know, him auditioning. I love that story. Oh Why is it anybody gosh. calling? Yeah. Hello? <laughs> Call. Uh, uh, I, do, 
Yeah, you know what? Let, let me. I think this is the greatest moment of radio. I got to play it again. If you've never heard this, please. <laughs> you've got you've got to hear this. This is now Alec Baldwin first tried an attempt at radio on the flagship of me and Mark Levin. Right. We both called in at the same time, and he walked out of the studio. He left in the middle of his tryout. He quit. Oh, man. And then, so unbeknownst to us, he goes to Philly. And my affiliate in Philadelphia is WPHT. And right. and this, this we did not edit this. This is Alec Baldwin begging for phone calls. Um, when we come back, uh, uh, oh, we got some time. Oh, great. Well, we're going to, uh, when can we take some calls, Ivan? Whenever we want. Do we, do we, we have calls that are on there now? Do no calls, calls yet. No calls, no yet. calls yet. What number do people call to get on the air? I mean, do we have that number? It's right there. <clears throat> oh, do I have the call number in front of me? Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, that's interesting. Interesting. At uh, uh, 1210 at PHT. Of course, any other questions you have, any other comments you have, call us um, to the... Uh, what else? Uh, call us, please, at... Uh, Two one five twelve ten. Now, um, if you don't call, we're going to keep reading from the Scientology manual. You might not feel it. You might not feel the energy right now. You might not feel uh, the swell of what's happening here. Do we have any calls yet there, Ivan? No calls. Let's read some more about Scientology. Is Sean Hannity a Scientologist? Alec Baldwin posing the big questions tonight here. Uh, do we have any calls here yet, Ivan? None. Boy, it's just incredible. Unbelievable. Well, <laughs> and, and you leave us no choice, listeners. And then he had to call his mom. <laughs> he called his mother and put his mother oh, on the phone. Goodness. I mean, you I can't, can't breathe. I can't breathe. It's like it's sort of like remember Russia's parody on the Tom Daschle show. It's like the right. real life Tom Daschle show. <laughs> um, but you know, it's easy I'm, when I, we do, Sean. It's easy. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love. By the way, it uh, every, probably everybody has a talk show in them, or two, or three. But what do you do in year thirty-three? Because I'm in my thirty-third year. Right. Oh man. Uh, well, listen, Joe. Uh, very talented. We love you, as you know, on the show. And all you know, we're very blessed. And you just got to say, I can't say this enough. We don't get to do this except. This microphone, mine is not golden. Only Rush deserved the golden EIB mic. Agreed. But, but we get this because of the audience. They give us this honor every day. And, and we don't have jobs unless they listen. And we don't say thank you enough. Because from the first day that light went on in my life, it changed my life. And that's all I wanted to do. I don't know why. I, have no, I can't explain it. And all this stuff started flying out of me, and I don't know where it came from. And I, I think you have a similar experience. Well, we thank God that it comes out of you, and thank God you, you cracked that mic that first time, Sean. Thanks for everything you do, brother. All right, listen, love you. This was a great. Thanks for sharing love all this too. great work with you. You're the best. Joe Pags, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue on the other side this Friday. All right, that's going to wrap things uh, up for today. But let not your hearts be troubled. Why? Because we have the full weekend to follow the news and then come back on Monday. Right now, the Democrats are pushing hard. They are pushing. They do not want any voter ID. They do not want voter signature verification. They don't want any integrity in elections, which makes no sense, except unless potentially you have nefarious intentions 
We just want a one-day pass. That's it. Just a once and, and that's it. Pass on the legislative filibuster. Really? That's it for today. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. Thank you, as always, for making this show possible and being with us.